Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? Hi, guys. Hello, world. We're back at it again. Sure are. We talked a little bit about our trip, or we debriefed a little bit about the getting there, the travel aspect, kind of getting there, getting home, air, airplanes, airports, that kind of thing. So yeah. we won't talk about that today, but there's all the other categories of stuff are still in play. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I think I'll start with food. I think I'm going to start with kind of like the restaurant and the food scene and all that kind of good stuff. And there might be some tips in here if you plan to travel out there. Sounds good. Maybe if you, right if you hear some of these stories, maybe you can give me some tips for, for, the, <laughs> for the next time I go out. If you're just like, no, you're doing it wrong. So one of the things that caught me by surprise, and I actually think I had read this on a blog before I went out there. But it still caught me by surprise was the way that they send stuff to your table at a restaurant without your permission, like without yeah. you asking for it at all. When you texted us that, we were like, that's really odd. Like in America, that that would probably be illegal, right? Right. Yeah. Oh, you someone in America would start a fight with a waitress over there, it. There would be a legal case. Yeah. <laughs> a lawsuit, if you will. There, I feel like they could sense maybe that I was an American. It was like they saw just an opportunity because I wasn't going to know what was going on. And like the second that they would walk me to my table to sit down, we would sit and the guy would like already have like two appetizers in his hands and he'd be just dropping them on the table before I could even like sit and take off like my coat. Oh, no, I wasn't wearing a coat. Just kidding. But before I could even just sit right. and like take a breath, they, there was already azitonas on the table, <laughs> a big bowl of olives. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't like olives and I paid, no, for, I know you don't. I paid for olives at every meal I went to. Because like I love olives. I was just like too nervous to send them back. Because <laughs> I, ah, it's like once it, what are the rules associated with that? Is it because I know you have to like say no if you don't want it because they're, they're charging you for these appetizers. This is a kicker. They're charging you. If you don't say no, I don't want it. They're going to put it on the table and they're going to charge you for it. Random stuff. Like they would bring out, like they would bring out olives, bread and cheese like an octopus salad, like octopus, like ceviche kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. So they would just bring out like any old random appetizer, whether don't ask if you, ma'am, do you like octopus? Like nothing. Are you allergic? Are you allergic? <laughs> What's your take on azitonish? I don't know. <laughs> so that's interrupt. My only concern is if you say, no, I don't want this. Do they take it back and like just kind of keep it in the back until the next group of people come in that's what i'm saying like how many tables has this octopus salad already been on before it touched my table yeah i'm not okay with that <laughs> that's why i'm saying like i feel like there's got to be like a rule like you have to like see them coming and like say no before it touches your table like i don't know what the rule is will they take it back once it hits the table and then if they take it back what do they do with it is it just sitting there and just waiting for the next table to come. The next right. group of Medicons to come in. Right. They could sense a sucker from a mile away. <laughs> and granted, I think we touched on it in in the episode with uh, Devin a few weeks ago, how everything was so cheap out there. Right. So, yeah. so, I mean, in America, this would be a different story in America and there would be lawsuits because like if you're bringing out three apps to me in America, like that's like a hundred dollars. Like we are not paying that. No. But out there it was like four dollars and fifty cents total for all the stuff they brought out. So it was like no big deal. No skin off my back. But at the same time, like I didn't order it and I don't like them and I didn't eat them. Yeah. It'd be one thing, I guess, if you liked if you liked it. And you're like, oh yeah, I can't, I can eat this, and it's fine. You'd be happy. You're happy to pay for it. 
but because like I know specifically that you don't like olives. You've never liked olives. Growing up, you never liked olives. <laughs> and here you are, you're getting served olives. I didn't know they had a pit in them. Yeah, some do and some don't. Oh. Are you saying are you saying you didn't know ever in general there was a pit in an olive or <laughs> Yeah, like in my nuclear Vida, did I know there was a a pavids in there? You were just today years old when you found out that there was a pit in an olive. Today I learned. <laughs> By choking. <laughs> Wait, so did you try an olive? I did. I did. Oh, I'm impressed. I didn't I, like you, it. You still don't like it. No. And I've I've acquired my taste buds have changed over the years. Like I grew up not liking olives, but I also grew Do you up like the black olives that come on our Portuguese skate steaks when we go out to eat to a Portuguese restaurant. You still I those? I pick those out and put them on my dad's plate. Oh, gotcha. He ends up with like six olives because <laughs> every everybody gives the olive to him. <laughs> well, I will tell you. I did try. I made a good faith effort with Isitonish and it was, they were just not good. I was just like, I'm forcing this. Uh, they are just not. See, I love those not happening. too. Mm, no, but so that was like one just kind of weird thing about the restaurants out there. You get okay. some appetizers that you didn't pay for. Yeah. I mean, they were always bringing the, like the, fresh goat cheese and oh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to down. Yeah. I'm going to down. Can you bring another one? Like when uh, yeah. you're done, when I'm done with this one. So, and I just, I don't know. I felt like it was rude to like say no or to send it back. So I took all the appetizers that they gave me. Right on. So the other weird thing that I found at this restaurant was I had ordered a lemonade. Like I just, it sounded refreshing. My mom was like, oh, that sounds good. I'll get a lemonade. And my daughter was like, yeah, get me a lemonade, mom. And so this guy comes out and what I did not know, and I don't know if it's like this at every restaurant, but it was at this particular restaurant. This was like a DIY lemonade. (laughs) Homeboy straight up brought me a cup that had just, you know, an inch of fresh squeezed lemon at the bottom of it. Right, sugar packets and water, a separate like pitcher of water, and it was like you had to just be Bill Nye the Science Guy over there making your own lemonade. You're lucky that he just didn't hand you like uh, a lemon unpeeled and like a squeezer, and was like, "Here you go." We were only one step away from that. <laughs> we were not much beyond him just giving me an actual lemon. Yeah, that's a little odd. I wonder I wonder if they are doing that in as in a way to like you could control your sugar intake, maybe. I'm just trying to think of a health reason why of doing it. I guess, but like Like if you're if if to diabetes taught me to alt, it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> it's not but, gonna be the restaurant's fault if your diabetes high. And I'm with you. Uh, listen, I am with you on the thought process, but like on the one hand. You can't be doing that conscious stuff with the lemonade. And then on the other hand, be serving me quima. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. 82 <laughs> grams of sugar. So I don't know. So, yeah, I that happened the first time I ordered lemonade out there. And I was just I wasn't willing to risk it to try again, again ordering yeah. lemonade. So we were kind of like out on lemonade for the rest of the time because I just couldn't get it to taste good. There was just no amount of sugar water lemon ratio that was working for me sir i wanted you to come out with a full glass of lemonade from like the little kool-aid packet thing from the back (laughs) i know and i'm all for like a fresh squeezed lemonade but i don't want to have to make it myself right my mom was like what is this this this, this tastes terrible (laughs) my daughter my daughter was like mommy what is going on oh this is sour i'm like yeah i know <laughs> but you probably paid like what less than a dollar for those cents probably yeah 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 well you have to you have to make it your own so you shouldn't even have to pay at that point <laughs> i know there was probably like a lemon tree hanging over the table <laughs> i could have just plucked one off but <laughs> The thing that I found that I liked was that 
they didn't rush you out of anywhere. Oh, I love that. They would not bring a check to the, your table unless you asked for it. I can appreciate that. They would just let you sit at the table for the whole day yes. if you wanted to. Yes. They were not going to bother you. Here? Yes. Right? They rush you here. Oh, my God. And they like drop the check and they're like, no rush. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's no rush, why are you giving me my check right now? I know. And then there's two sides to it, too, because like when I am in a rush and I have somewhere to go and they're just like lingering and I'm like, oh, where are they? I want my check. But, yeah, no, I get it. But they're, you know, they're not in a rush for anything. So they just they don't bring the check. You have to ask for the check. So like I found I found that the time from when you like sit and order your food, get your food, eat your food, that all happens pretty quickly. But then the time from when you're done with your food to like them coming around and asking about dessert and then from you getting your check and you actually leaving the restaurant was like two and a half hours. (laughs) (laughs) It was like entering the restaurant to finishing my steak plate. Fifteen minutes and then two and a half hours from there to get an espresso and pay my bill and leave. So by the time you leave, you're probably hungry again. Yeah. I'd be like, I need a snack. (laughs) Seriously. And it seemed interesting because so the time frames out there too. So and I honestly I don't know if it's always been like this or if this was a COVID thing or what, but like they open at 7 p.m. for dinner. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of the restaurants were not open for lunch at all. And they would open at 7 p.m. 7 to 10 p.m was like the three hour window of this restaurant being open for dinner. My God. (laughs) And that was challenging for us just based on where we were on the island because we were next to nothing. We were like an hour away from like any decent restaurants. So it was like the earliest we could get dinner was 7 p.m. after being out all day. And then you'd get you'd get dinner however many hours that went on. And then you still have to drive an hour back to the village. So it was it was challenging for that to be that late, but it, it was just odd to me because they wouldn't turn over tables. So because they were only open seven to 10, it was like they, it, let's say this restaurant has 12 tables in it. Each one of those tables would just get sat one time with people mm-hmm. for the night. That was it. Like they wouldn't turn over tables. Like they're not, bus- right. they're not busting your table when you're done and seating another couple. And so there was like a big like, I'm going to call it like a, I'm going to call it a sham with reservations. Like it seemed so odd to me because every restaurant I went into, they'd be like, we'd be like, oh, you know, table for six. And they were like, do you have reservations? And we'd be like, no. And they'd be like, hmm, let me see. And then they'd go back and then they would like hem and haw. And then they would like talk to the manager and then they come back out and they'd be like, Okay, we'll come sit you over here. This this one time that this happened to us, we had a group of six, and they sat us at this table that f- would fit like nine or ten people. Okay, and then we figured it out. We're like, oh, they only have one shot at filling this table, so like they're looking at us and they're like, oh, you're only six people. Do I really want to put you at this table? It's not reserved for anybody, right? So the fact that I have no reservations this? is not an issue. But if I sit this table. With six people, I'm losing out on the extra four people I could have sat there if, you know, half an hour from now, a group of 10 comes in. Right. And I have nowhere. I have to turn away that group of 10. And I only got six people at this table and I made less money. So it was like a game. And it was just very interesting. And and so you would see restaurants like so then we started getting wise. We'd be like, let's just make the reservation because I don't want to play this game. So we'd call and you didn't have to call like that far in advance. Like I'd be calling like same day, like couple hours before I wanted to go there and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make a reservation. And you'd get there and this this other restaurant had these little like name cards and they had everybody's like they put your last name and then the time that you were coming in on the table. And so there was these name cards like all around all the little tables. And like so some of the tables it would say like 840 reservation. And like the card would already be on there at seven o'clock when they opened. Nobody else is sitting at that table. Those people are coming in at 840, they're gonna eat their dinner and they're gonna leave. Or they're going to close the place down. And I just thought that was so interesting. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, uh, I 
don't recall this being like this when I was out there. Like nothing's open. Like no places to eat during the day are open. There are there are some. So there like, were some places did lunch. So there was a. It, okay, because I'm like I remember going to lunch and even like I remember going to breakfast. So, okay. Well, there's like so they have like a lot of snack bar type places that are open just for lunch. Restaurant wise, like if it was like a nice restaurant that you would want to go to for dinner, most of them opened as heaven. There was a few that opened and they'd be open like 12 to 10 p.m. Others would be open for like a couple hours for lunch. They would close for like afternoon siesta and then open back up at seven. I kind of remember that. They do like 12 to four and then seven to 10 or something like that. The other thing that was that I noticed that was a difference from our restaurants here. So here in the U.S. at least. If you go to Portuguese restaurants, which we have an abundance of, I have ordered thousands of steak plates in my life and they always Mm -hmm. come. What do they come with, Kel? You tell me. What do they come with? You order a steak plate. Steak is with rice and egg and french fries and you have pepper and a couple olives. Right. And you got mool, like the sauce. Right. Out there, they're... I don't think I ordered a single steak plate that came with rice. They did not do rice. Oh, that's right. You did tell us that. And I, I was like, there's no way. I'm like, where is the rice? <laughs> yeah. So what do they give you with a steak plate? Fries. So it would just be steak, fries, like like a double fry situation. And I'm sure I could have ordered rice. Let me put maybe make that clear. But the standard way that it came was just steak, fries. You'd have your pepper and your mule. And something interesting that they did out there that I don't think they do here, whole ass bulbs of garlic. Oh, I love the garlic. Like an yes. entire bulbous yeah. peel on and everything. Like nice whole thing. And it would just be like cooked and smashed into your plate. But guess what? Still no vegetables. Definitely no vegetables. I- <laughs> <laughs> They're not double carbonate with the rice and the fries, but they are giving you extra fries, but no vegetables still. Still no vegetables. A vegetable will still never be seen. <laughs> I think I did see like one broccoli the whole time. Like, <laughs> like one little one. <laughs> yeah. Out of the foods that I ordered, like it was in there by mistake. It's like- <laughs> And then I ordered fish plates and those came with boiled potatoes. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a normal kind of here. Right. Boiled potatoes. I did have a rice plate. Like I ordered I some kind of carne asada thing on the last day I was there, and that came with rice. With a rice. Yes, but it was the only rice I had like the whole time I was out there. And I wonder if that's just something that we like, adopted like here. That's what I I found it so interesting because I was like, well, is this the traditional way? Is this the way that they used to make this plate? And like, we've just made it a rice thing here in the U.S. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the rice. So, oh, I love the rice. (laughs) I love the rice. I was missing the rice. Yeah, for sure. So, a story about fish, though. We went to a restaurant that was a seafood only restaurant. And I didn't realize that it was only seafood until I got there. And it was on our list. It was on our itinerary to do. And I love seafood. My husband is not really a seafood person. Like he doesn't go out of his way to eat fish. But he's like, I'm fine. Like he looked at the menu. He's like, I'm fine. He said, I have one request though. And I'm like, what? He's, He's like, I just, I cannot eat a fish if it comes with the head on it. Like you just, my fish cannot come with a head. And I'm like, don't worry. I got you. (laughs) <laughs> I know Portuguese. I'm going to talk to this waiter when he comes over and I'm going to make sure that your fish doesn't come with a head on it. And the menu has pictures of like, you know, a couple example photos and like they all have a head. Yeah. They all have a head on them in the pictures. So it was a valid concern of his. The waiter comes over. My husband looks at the menu. He decides he's getting tuna. So I look at the waiter and I order the tuna for him and I say, East Nome Van Meaning like this doesn't come with a head, right? 
And he just starts busting out laughing at me. And I'm like, why is this guy laughing? I'm like, this is this is a valid question, right? I like, would have been mortified. Like, I would be like, why is this? Did I just say it wrong? Is this guy laughing at me because I said it wrong? Right. And I'm like, this <laughs> is, like, is a valid question. I'm like, it's a valid question. Like, your menu has pictures of fish with a head on. And I'm asking, yeah, does the fish, the specific fish I ordered come with a head on it? And he was just like, ma'am, have you ever seen a tuna? <laughs> he like, no, I haven't. <laughs> I googled a picture of a tuna, friends, and tuna is apparently a very large fish. So large that the idea of me asking for whether or not that fish came with a head on it was impossible. (laughs) (laughs) The fish would have been laid out on the entire table, breaking the table because it was so large in order for it to have come with a head on it. So he's like, you don't have to worry about your tuna coming with a head on it. <laughs> yeah, but see, I wouldn't have known that either. No, no idea. And I've seen a lot of fish pictures on Bumble because that's like the number one pictures these guys post is them fishing. No, I mean, I've seen like, the, I see tuna in a can. OK, <laughs> like, how am I supposed to know how big its head is? Right. And my mom makes like those albacore tuna, you know, like a tuna plates. steak or something. Yeah, or? like a tuna steak. And yeah, obviously it doesn't come with a head, but my mother's getting it at a store. I'm thinking like the head obviously just stays behind. Like no one gets the head. I would have I would have asked the same question. Right. Like you're not realizing that that little tuna steak is like one 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 thousandth of the size of the tuna. Right. right. No idea. So we probably have to watch the deadliest catch more than damn. Yes. Yes. So apparently, shishaj, definitely a concern for coming with a head. Tuna, not so much. <laughs> so a few years back when I went to Thailand with our mutual friend, we stayed in this like small little like Thai village and we were we were on these little houses that float on the water. The Thai man that was kind of like with us for like the whole time we were there he went fishing for us. He's like, I'm going to get you guys dinner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you guys dinner. I'm going to catch it. I'm going to make you guys dinner. Blah, blah, blah. So we're like, all right, awesome, cool. He's like the one who would take us like hiking and stuff. So like we would be safe. So he comes back with this like good size fish, <laughs> right? And the freaking head is still on it. So now I'm with three other girls, all American. <laughs> and they, they look at me and they're like, Kelly, you're the cultured one. You're like, you're the Portuguese one. You need to cut this fish open for us. And I have pictures of me like just getting in there and cutting this fish up. Like they'd never deboned a fish before. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Why am I doing it? They're like, yeah, you're the cultured one. You're the Portuguese one. <laughs> all their yeah. fi- all their fish had bones in it out there. Like it didn't matter what you got, even if it looked like it was just like a little like fillet of fish at a buffet or whatever you'd put it on your plate and it was like you're pulling just like giant spingers out of your mouth the whole time (laughs) i hate those though i hate those it just throws me off when i'm eating that i know i know because you just have to like chew it up you can't just like put it in your mouth and like swallow and fish is so soft you want to just swallow it but you have to like chew it up and like make sure there's no bones it was just yeah but the tuna didn't have it right no because tuna doesn't have it I don't know. Everything had a bone. I felt like every fish I ate out there, I was picking bones out of my mouth. I don't know, though. Maybe like certain parts of the tuna. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Maybe like does does tuna have like a human sized rib cage? Probably. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. So I think that's kind of it for like the restaurant scene. Um, They don't take your credit card. Oh, cool. So like like they take credit. (laughs) They accept credit cards, but they will not take it away from the table. Oh, I like that. So they you know how here in the US, like they bring the little checkbook thing. So they bring that in the US and then they you put your card in it and they take it to the back and then they come back once they run it. They write down all your information down. (laughs) They screenshot your credit card. (laughs) In Portugal, they're like, you know. We ain't liable. We ain't taking this liability. So like (laughs) if you're paying with a card, they'll see that you're paying with a card. They will go and get the card machine and bring it to your table and they'll run your card in front of you at the table. Oh, no. 
No shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they don't want to be liable for your diabetes or your credit history. They are <laughs> very risk averse. <laughs> That's right. I do want to stay on food, though. So I'm going to just keep rolling on food, even though we're not talking restaurants now. But go for it. I tried my first lupini bean out there. I had never had a lupini bean. What is it called in Portuguese? Tremousse? Tremousse, yeah. Let me take you through the experience of me (laughs) trying a lupini bean for the first time. Because they were everywhere out there. Like that was like, that was the snack out there. Yeah. I, I believe it, yeah. The beer aisle in the grocery store, it was like all beer and then like a little section carved out of like thermos in the middle. Yeah, they go hand in hand. <laughs> they had like food trucks at the beach. They're selling homemade thermos out of the food truck, okay? I was not expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, to be honest with you. I thought they were going to be softer, more like okay. like like a regular bean would be. Yep. I thought it was going to be soft. To me, it had like a raw garlic consistency. Like, wait, so it tasted like I was eating raw garlic consistency wise and taste, to be honest. But I don't see like the saltiness. Like when I eat it, it's just kind of like salty. I don't think I get a garlicky vibe. Not taste. I'm not talking taste. I'm talking consistency. Consistency. Garlic. So like like a garlic bulb, right? You had a yeah. raw garlic bulb and you bit into that. That is what it felt like to bite into a lupini bean. Are you supposed to cook them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm like, wait, are you eating a hard lupini bean? They were hard. Absolutely. Oh, no. Are they soft? Are they supposed to be yes, soft? They're like soft. Yeah. Was I supposed to cook them? <laughs> Wait, did you just eat a... Did you raw dog a lupini bean? <laughs> I was like, why is this girl saying that? It's like it's like when you bite into a garlic bowl. Because I'm like, no, it's soft. It was not, yeah, like you boil, it was not soft. You boil it for several like hours. I'm supposed to buy it at the store and then go boil it? Yeah. If you buy it raw. I'm not supposed to just eat it raw. No. <laughs> well, I don't think you can. Then why like, are I'm they sure selling it? Okay, but like they're selling it at the food truck from the food truck at the beach. So I don't know. I've never ate it raw. So the one that I was eating. Because what you sent a photo, it looks like the one that you bought at a grocery store, right? I bought that at the grocery store, but they look the same from the food truck. Like it's in like a little like Tupperware and it has like a water. Did you in it. taste it? What do you mean? Did I taste it? Did you eat that one from the grocery store? The one I ate was from the grocery store and it was hard. Nuka. <laughs> Nuka my visa. <laughs> yeah, if you buy it like raw, you boil it for several hours and then you do that whole process that I have that I posted. No, but like pe- That's why I'm, people like, aren't making. So, it- okay, so it's not like I didn't buy like a dry bean. Like it was, it was like, it was like soaking in the little tub. Okay. So it was soaking. It was soaking in the little tub. So, okay. So this lupini bean, you're not supposed to like apparently eat the, the peel. Yes. You're not supposed to like eat it, I guess. And you're supposed to like peel the bean out and eat the bean and like get rid of the, the skin. But it's soft enough where I sometimes will just eat the whole thing, like bean and skin. So that's why I'm like, I don't know what part is hard. I was having a hell of a time trying to get that skin off of that bean. I shot a bean up into the sky. (laughs) A bean like shot into the sky because it was so difficult to get the peel off of it. Did you use your fingers or your teeth? I tried both. I tried everything. Yeah, because I'm so thrown off. Yeah, so it was hard. It was like chomping into a raw garlic. It tasted like a garlic. (laughs) It was just like a garlic pepper sauce that it was in. They're not super, super soft. Like you do need to like bite in it, but it's not. It's not like a mend range where you're gonna like. Break no, 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 no. But so, like, like there is like a like a hardness it's firm. to it. It was very firm. It yeah, was, it was not like a regular legume. 
<laughs> like a, a cooked legume texture fibrous it was not that it's not that i love how we're having this debate right now on air <laughs> <laughs> let us know guys what you think are we being tarred or not okay. that's what she said <laughs> yeah where do you fall on the lupini bean debate so anyways <laughs> i found in general their snacks so bags of chips and whatnot mm-hmm. better ingredients less crazy weird unnecessary cancer causing ingredients yeah i believe it less flavored less salty so like let's say you were getting the equivalent of a frito chip from out there versus a frito chip here here it's like you eat one frito and you're like your mouth dries up (laughs) salt exposure and you're thirsty as hell and super salty right yeah out there it was like they were like barely flavored and i found that with like most of their chips even ones that were technically the same brand like i don't know if there was like lays brand like there was some name brand global yeah they have like a lays because that's where i got the ketchup flavored those chips out there, if you read the back of the bag, there's like three ingredients for a Lay's chip. It was like potato, well, two ingredients. It was like potatoes, water, salt, period. Like that was it. It's fucking amazing. And here, if you like flipped over a Lay's bag, you were going to see 82 other things in there for no apparent reason. And it was just wild because I'm pretty sure they ban, like Europe bans yeah. ingredients that we allow here because we're a bunch of fucking masochists. I wonder what their dog food ingredients are like. Like, I wonder if their dog food ingredients is just, boom, red meat and that's it. It's like natural compared to the stuff that we have here. I can't, honestly can't picture any of them actually buying dog food <laughs> for a dog. Like, I feel like they're just feeding scraps. Unlocked memory. My dad did say that there was a, when he heard us talk about the sugar uh, sandwiches on one of our episodes, he did say that there used to be a dog food factory on the island. So look hmm. at that. So maybe they did have a one one oh two ingredient for the dog food. <laughs> but no, you're right. They probably just did feed them table scraps and that's why they probably lived here twenty years old. Yeah, but this is why they live longer. My grandparents lived till they were like ninety five and wonder why they're not eating freaking crap. I feel like I've seen people post about that too on social media. People who like are from Europe and they travel to the US or vice versa, they've noticed the the difference in the saltiness and you just get used to whatever it is so like if you're out there for a while you just get used to that level of salt so if you come to america you're just like oh my god this shit's so salty like how do you people eat this and so vice versa like i went out there and i'm like oh these are very lightly flavored yeah yeah but i liked it i mean it was good it was good with the exception of like one bag of cheetos i got that tasted like packing peanuts but everything else was was good this one isn't necessarily food but it's drink This is a a lovely little story about a winery that I went to visit out there. I put together a whole itinerary before I went. Like I did Google searches and I looked up all this stuff and I saw found this cute little winery in Villa Franca. It had a bunch of Google reviews and everyone was like, oh, the, the people who work here are so nice and they take you around the winery. You could do a tour and tasting and whatever. And I'm like, sounds wonderful, right? Sounds Mm -hmm. wonderful. Just an authentic, nice winery on the island and so it was on the itinerary we drove an hour out of the village to go and get there we pull up to where the gps told us to go and we're like in this like residential neighborhood it's just houses and i'm like where is the vineyard like i don't where's the winery i don't know what's going on so we like kind of circled the block a couple times and then we eventually realized we saw it it was kind of it looked like a house but it was like bigger like a garage and then we saw it had like the okay. name the name of the winery on the side so it was kind of like used as a warehouse kind of thing so already i'm like oh okay this <laughs> i guess this is legit right so the, <laughs> the, the garage door is just open and i'm like all right i guess we just walk on in and now i'm with just my husband who doesn't speak portuguese and then my cousin who does speak portuguese and we walk in and it's just like, you know, an old man at the door and some other young guy. And we're just like, I, I don't even know. Like, my Portuguese is not good enough. And I don't even know what I'm asking for. So, like, I go in there and right. I'm like, 
hey, we're here for a visita. Like, <laughs> he's like, it's Sunday, we're closed, but come on in. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? So, like, first of all, Google, the little Google business page said they were Google open. Hours. Yeah, their Google oh, hours yeah. said like they were open on Sundays, but like, I don't really know what it means to be open when you're just like, mm a vineyard so right like yeah we exist we're here but (laughs) so needless to say they were not quote-unquote open but this guy's like it's fine it's fine i'll take you around come on in so he's like i just got to do a couple things first and i'll come right down and see you and i'm like okay so he kind of just goes off and just does his thing he goes up to some room and we're just hanging in this guy's garage right this like warehouse tip garage and so this old man's talking to me and I'm talking to him in Portuguese and we're talking about where he's from and where my family's from and that we're visiting. And he spent like a year in Canada, but the rest of his life he spent in Portugal. Then the old man kind of goes off and just rides off into the sunset. He leaves. The young, <laughs> the, the young guy comes back down and he starts just giving us this elaborate history of winemaking on the islands and how it's changed and the processing that they go through and he's showing us the bottling and he's showing us all the vaults and the tanks and all the stuff at the winery. Right. So he goes off, he's talked to us for about an hour and a half and then we get over it and we're doing a tasting. So he said he has this, like these wine barrels and, and he's got, they make spirits there and they make liqueurs and wines and all kinds of stuff. Right. Some really potent shit too. So he's he's letting us taste everything they make and they have this huge selection and he's heavy pouring these shot glasses and we're just like, wow, we're just taking them down, right? <laughs> so the three of them are like, oh, can I try that one? Can I try that one? So he is just entertaining us this entire time. All in Portuguese. My husband is just smiling and nodding. He has no idea what's going on. Like we were stopping every so often and we were like translating for him. But like, yeah. I didn't even catch everything the guy was saying so like my translated version was like kind of iffy yeah, but yeah it was good all good we get to the end and somehow it comes out that this guy doesn't even work there he's like <laughs> <laughs> i don't even go here <laughs> yeah he doesn't even go here so i think it came out because so we're kind of like wrapping up like we were about to head out we were finishing up our tasting we're feeling good <laughs> and this this two Americans walk in from New Jersey and they walk in and I just looked at them and I'm like, they don't speak a lick of Portuguese. And so we're like, how are these two going to communicate with each other? So we like, right. so we stayed a little longer and like tried to facilitate that conversation between the two, like between that guy and this couple that had come in. So we're translating and we're talking to them. And that's where it came out that the guy's like, he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't even work here. He's like... <laughs> And I'm like, what do you mean you don't work here? And he's like, yeah, I don't even like wine. Like, I don't even like, I don't drink. And we're just like, what? And apparently, like, I don't even know. I didn't even know that old man. <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's in the family. Like, we're like at this guy's like house, apparently. He's in the family. He just like wanted no part in the family business or doing the tastings or whatever it was that, that they were doing. But he's still knows enough about it and took us on this hour and a half tour and tasting which i just thought was so portuguese like just portuguese hospitality like at its <laughs> finest the guy was just like oh i had nothing else to do on a sunday like let me just take you around and the fact that those that other couple came in after us so he's just stuck there like for the day now people are just gonna keep rolling in it's <laughs> awesome though and so we we felt bad like once we found out i'm like this guy is just doing this out of like the goodness of his heart we were like all right we're gonna buy we're obviously gonna buy stuff off of him we're gonna buy some bottles i mean, i don't know if the money was going to the, the business or his pocket at that <laughs> or point. it is but so we ordered like two bottles of you know a bottle of their wine that they make and then a bottle of liqueur and we're like how much and he's like um this was three and five five eight fifty and we're like wait what <laughs> that sounds 850 for the, right. the two bottles and we're like okay so i mean we gave him like 20 bucks or something 20 euro 
And then we're walking out, we're walking back to the car, and I'm like, this still feels like robbery. Like, this still feels like robbery. Like, I can't. So my husband and cousin turned back around, and they went and, like, cleared them out. Like, they bought, like, uh, one of each. Like, right, right. Spray the infield. <laughs> they got all these bottles that we brought back to the house, and we ended up bringing some of them back in our suitcase. But they were very tasty. It was, like, liqueurs, maracujá, like, passion fruit oh, liquor. Oh, Nice. And uh, pineapple and all these like cool flavors. So that was that was cool. And the dessert wine was really good. I think what I learned from that experience was that I found whatever it says on Google for like hours of operation or when they're open. None of that was true. (laughs) (laughs) Don't believe it. They kind of just ran on their own timelines and time frames. They didn't give a damn what Google said. And I'm not just talking about this winery. I'm just talking in general, many places. This happened to us at where you would just show up and it'd be like a, it would be a Sunday. It would say that they're open online, their hours of operation, and they'd be closed when you got there. Or they would, a, a lot of times we would get somewhere and they'd be like, oh, we're closed for a private event. And we're like, what? Oh. <laughs> uh... Like we went to some farm thing that my daughter wanted to go to and they we showed up and they, and it was like near the city too. And we sh- drove out there. We were out there way for other stuff. Like we didn't drive just for that, but they were closed for a private event. So they just turned us away. And then we got turned away at like restaurants that were closing for a private event. Like it was just, that was happening a lot and the hours just not matching up to what we saw on Google. So just right. be flexible. Yeah, and it's becoming a popular place to vacation. So the Sunday was like the day that we just like couldn't find anything. Even Saturday, Saturday night, we had some closures. And then Sunday, like everything we tried to do was closed. But that next day, that Monday after that was a holiday for them, I guess, like a national holiday. Like they're all closed and have the day off for the Assumption of Mary. Which is not, I mean, it's like a holy day of obligation for Catholics in the U.S., but it's not like a national holiday. Like, we don't close. We don't get it off, yeah. Like, the post office is open on (laughs) on the Assumption of Mary feast, you know. (laughs) She was assumed into heaven. They beamed her up. Yeah, they beamed her up. Anytime you go out there in the summer, you're going to run into a day, like a, a holiday because the, it's procession it's fe- feast season i know i know so that's challenging you probably have to just like make up make an itinerary have some backup plans make it flexible call ahead to places before you drive out to them to make sure they're open i think that would, that would all be helpful because you don't want to drive an hour and have your only restaurant in the area be closed and you're just like right. stuck <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure it helps if you have family out there because they can maybe kind of guide you and be like, oh, no, that restaurant's not open today. That restaurant opened on two- only Tuesdays or something. This was a big conversation with my dad while we were out there because at least like in his village, like didn't really seem like they were utilizing the restaurant scene out there. <laughs> like it was mostly for tourists. Yeah. If you catch my drift. Yeah. So like we went to this one restaurant. It wasn't like fancy nice, but it was just it was very nice. It was on the water. It was cute. And my dad, the entire time we were sitting there at this restaurant, the only thing, it was actually in your mom's village, this restaurant. Okay. Yeah. And the only thing that my dad said the entire time there was, look around. There's not a single local in this place. Look around. (laughs) Not one of these people is local from this village. Like not one of these people is from here. And he's like, these are all tourists. He was at a point. (laughs) And I'm like looking around and I'm like. Like and they were Portuguese, you know. A lot of them looked Portuguese, and they were yeah. speaking Portuguese and whatnot. But he's like, these are not locals. Like, he was like adamant <laughs> that they were not locals. And um, and then there was another spot we went where he's like, these are the locals. This is this is the locals <laughs> crowd. And I'm like, okay. But so it kind of all goes into just like them not having them being on their own timelines, like Devin said, and yeah. a few weeks ago, and not having any sense of urgency. This one. A particular instance drove my husband up a wall. We were driving to this viewpoint and it was kind of like back roads. If you can, <laughs> if you can distinguish between like a regular road out there, which is like a back road <laughs> anywhere else. But like, yeah, then they have 
back roads out there that are real dicey. And so this particular one, it went up through a a lomba, which I don't even know. I I can't describe a lomba to anybody. It's like one street and that's like the whole village. Yeah. And it's just houses on both sides and the street fits one car at a time and the houses are like their front doors are on the street. Yeah. If you open up your front door, you will get run over by a car. There was a car stopped in front of a house coming the opposite direction. So we had to stop. And now we can't, we had to like find like a little like turn off area because we we couldn't pass. Two cars can't go. But this car was parked and they were unloading groceries or something to that effect, right? They were unloading something out of their car. Fine. No big deal. You got to do it. You got to do it. They could have parked like two houses down and walked them up and they wouldn't have caused this traffic jam, but that's besides the point. <laughs> we were fine with waiting for them to unload their groceries. So we wait for this car to unload their entire set of groceries while we're just sitting there. Now cars are like piling up now. Like there's now cars from the other direction coming that are stopped and waiting. We have like two cars behind us that are waiting. My husband's just like, I can't believe they're they're doing this. And I'm like, it's no big deal. They're fine. They're gonna be done in a minute. Just sit tight. We've got we're on vacation, we have nowhere to go, right? So there is absolutely no pep in their step. They are just hanging out, unloading these groceries. They see us. They see the cars all waiting for them to move, right? They finish. Then they start, like, saying their goodbyes. Like, they're, like, hugging, like, the people across the street or whatever. Like, there's, there's hugs, multiple hug situations going on. And we're like, okay, okay, this is taking a while, right? <laughs> and then the woman, I'm like, okay, all right, this woman's making her way to the driver's side of this car. She's going to get in and pull it out of the way. She gets over to the driver's side door and proceeds to use the window as a mirror and starts fixing her hair. Like, she starts, like, taking her ponytail down and, like, putting up a new ponytail. And my husband is just, he lost it at the ponytail. Oh, I, I can't imagine with him. Are you kidding me? What is she doing? What like we are all waiting here for like 20 minutes <laughs> trying to get through this freaking street. Oh, it was he lost his mind at the the ponytail. Oh, I don't blame him. I don't blame him cuz he's he's a planner. So how did he was he okay with like all this time stuff and things being like he's a plan we know that he's a planner. <laughs> He let me plan the whole trip. So I was in charge of itinerary. He just was like, just tell me where to go. Tell me where to be. Okay. And that he he took a very much a backseat to this trip. But he lost his mind at this woman. Yeah. Well, now you're starting to abuse it. (laughs) You're abusing the privilege. (laughs) So the the thing about being in that village that my dad was from, it's a tiny village, very remote, right? Oh, actually, some something funny. They just put up a sign, I think, fairly recently. I don't know. Maybe it's been up for a while. I don't know if it's a viewpoint or a hike or just a sign on the side of the road, but it says "Ku de Judas," which translates directly to Judas's asshole. <laughs> and apparently that (laughs) phrase means like middle of nowhere that's the best that's amazing so it's it's so remote i know i keep saying it's like a remote village but i don't think people can unless they've been there can really grasp the remoteness of this village it's just yeah you're like really out there judas's asshole yeah (laughs) Like, it's on the road sign. I have pictures we'll post. But, like, there's at the top of the town, like, or the top of the village is a sign. It says, Coup de Judas, one mile that way. Like, But why really is it, why is Judas's asshole, is it remote? Is his butthole remote? <laughs> like, why that? I don't know. They should call it, like, the end of the world or something. I know. Like, so, you know what I mean? But why Judas's asshole? <laughs> I don't know the significance of Judas's asshole in biblical terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Is his asshole so remote? <laughs> so, like, I know, like, the kiss of Judas and he was a traitor and yeah. all that. But, like, what, what does that have to do with where his asshole is located? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. 
I don't know. But anyways, it just goes to, it's just an illustrative point as to how remote this place is. You couldn't walk like three steps around that village without somebody coming up and stopping you and talking to you and saying something about like, you know, they just start looking at you and be like, oh, it's King A.S. again. Yes. You know, like it just. And then, yeah, you'd have to, yeah, yeah. So then you'd have to like explain, you know, oh, it's if Fiji did so and so, like, and oh, just off, just off. Oh, and then they start hugging you and kissing you. They all of a sudden they're like your best friend. Right. Oh, I know. And so my cousin actually, he was the one who got stopped the most. So he couldn't walk three feet without somebody recognizing him, knowing exactly who he was and who his dad was. And his dad, immigrated from there 30 years ago right maybe went back like 20 years ago or so but like doesn't frequent there by any stretch they would just stop him in a heartbeat and they're like oh too much you feel so and so and i'm like how do they know (laughs) it was ridiculous yeah that i feel like that doesn't go away like they just remember like everyone especially if the island's so small they like just remember who was there Right. I think they would forget with all this time going by. And it's like his his dad was probably his age now, like or maybe right. a little younger yeah. when he left the village. So now seeing his son there at the same age, it's like they probably look the same. It's like a split image of him, probably. Yeah. I just thought that was so funny. Like they just they're all into recognizing people and knowing who you're related to or who's who you belong to, who's your oh, yeah. who's your parents, you know? They love all that. Yes. They love. That happened to me not too long ago here. I was at my friend's house and I was talking to her neighbor because he was like this Portuguese man. We started just chit-chatting first about the dog and then I don't know how it turned into like Portugal and all that stuff. And boom, within seconds, he knew who my father was, who my uncle was. <laughs> and I'm like, how? Like how you knew where I, where my parents live, everything, and I'm like, I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's always I'm like, like that. that, yeah, always. One of our family members out there did perhaps the most Portuguese thing I've ever seen done in my life. My dad asked him to borrow a machete because he had to go whack some bamboo path in front of their. They have a second house, kind of overlooking the water. Guy runs back to his house. He decides he needs to sharpen the machete for my dad before he gives it to him. Because, of course, you know, how how rude would you be if you didn't sharpen it first? So he cut himself while he was sharpening the machete. And he (laughs) started bleeding. And instead of using like a Band-Aid or bandage or any kind of Western medicine solution, what he did was wrap his finger in a cobweb like a gladiator like a gladiator in the roman empire like i don't even know we are in year 180 ad he is russell crowe and he is just charlotte's web in that thing i could not understand that's like that the old school portuguese mentality but logistically speaking so, okay, I get it. Like, I, the first thing I, literally the first thing I did was I Googled, like, does a spider web stop bleeding? Like, I was just trying to figure out what, right. what the situation was. And they said, yeah, that's how they used to do it in, like, the old Roman Empire. That's all good. But logistically speaking, I was like, so are you collecting spider webs and then, like, <laughs> storing them? Storing them in a container for your use when you start bleeding so you can dip your finger in it? Or are you just running out to the barn and like sticking your finger up in the, the crevice of the right. barn. Like I couldn't understand like how how did you know there was going to be an active spider web available to you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because I'm trying to think of like where would you you know if you like, cut yourself right now, where are you going to go get a spider web? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh I don't have any spiders currently in my home. <laughs> right. Like the, anytime I see a spider web, the first thing I do is I just smash it. I smash like, it. it. I whack yeah. it out of the way. And so, like, they they must be like literally dodging lasers over there, like <laughs> crawling around spider webs so they don't break them, so that they have them for when they need them. They open up. They have like a mason jar full of cobwebs. <laughs> I I couldn't I could not understand the logistics of it, but I just thought that was hysterical. 
I could see my father doing that 100%. That has his name written all over it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not gonna try it. (laughs) Do it. Cobwebs are a lesson in physical health. (laughs) I think you know where this is going. We're gonna get into mental health and our mental health segment. It's called mental health. All right. I think we've got some good ones. Not that all of our mental health tips are not phenomenal, but I think we've got some good ones on the docket today. I think so. My mental health tip is related to decluttering and Marie Kondo, the KonMari method. So I'm sure many people have heard she has a book out or maybe multiple books, I should say. And she had a TV show out at one point. Yeah. Right. Netflix. Yeah. And it's like the life-changing magic of tidying up or something. I think it's the name of her book. I was a skeptic to say the least, but I can't stand clutter. And I'm going to just say Portuguese people are known for clutter. They love clutter. They hoard everything. And they they do. Knickknack city, right? Yeah. Like they can't throw anything away. I just, just, I guess just growing up in that environment, like all I want is to like rid myself of clutter, right? And clutter in your home and in your physical space also creates clutter in your mind. Again, I was skeptical of this method because, I mean, I've tried to declutter my home before and I've gone through and purged things and cleaned things out and whatever. But Marie Kondo has very specific methods. I read her book and it's very easy to read and follow. It's pretty short and it just gives you kind of very good step-by-step guidance. And I followed it too. I said, we're going to do this. I went to my husband. I'm like, we're doing this. I'm reading this book and we're going to do her method exactly as it is stated in this book. And it is not easy to do the method because she really, like, in the past when I've decluttered, it's been like, okay, let me just go room by room. Let me clean out this closet. Let me, yeah, let me go through my old clothes that I don't use anymore. You know, you take everything out of a closet, you reorganize it, you shove it all back in, you throw some things away. Like, that's how I've done decluttering in the past. That was my version of decluttering or more accurately I should say I would take everything out of a closet and then I would start trying to put it away and I would get really tired and I would just end and then the room would be messier than it was when it, <laughs> when I started that's realistically what used to happen to me but the KonMari method is very different she has a, a specific order first of all that you go in and it's not room by room it's by types of objects like types of things so okay I don't know this. So this is interesting. Like, let's say you're doing paper. Let's say the the category you got to is paper. You literally have to take every paper product in your entire house and put it in a big pile in one spot. So you have to go around to every room in your house and take all your papers. So if you have like a file folder over here with some papers and you have a little drawer over there with some papers and you've got papers here and papers there across your house, you take that all and you bring it all into one spot and you, you put it there. And the reason that you do that is because when things are spread out in your home, like you don't realize the extent of what you have. Mm-hmm. And when you're forced to take it all and put it in one spot and you have this mountain of stuff and you're like, oh, my God, why do I have this many papers or why do I have this many books or this many right. jackets or whatever, shoes, whatever it could be, seeing all of one type of object that you own in one spot electronics electrical cables like whatever it is whatever the category is <laughs> when you aggregate them <laughs> from your entire home and put them in a pile you are shocked <laughs> and it's just like oh my god there's no amount of people in the world that could use this many chargers yeah i was just thinking that draw that you have with all like the wires and cables in them you do this method by category she groups the categories in like a pretty interesting way. There's like the, the kind of usual stuff. And then she has like categories for like sentimental stuff and how to deal with that. And like she she kind of walks you through how to part with things 
so it she she gives you the steps, but then like the narrative behind it to to allow you to like let go of the stuff too because it's oh, all okay. A lot of that is mental of like you know how many times you go clean out your closet and you're like, oh like I'm I'm still this. yeah like I it still has the tags on it like I haven't used it in like eight years but like I I might you know like and you just <laughs> and so she really gets you in the right mindset to part with things and. It has she has a very specific way of like having you store things too. So like I fold socks and underwear now and stuff like in a very specific way that like she says in this book and I've been doing it for years and it's fantastic and it just you feel so much better. Oh, wow, okay. So I'm a big I'm a big Marie Kondo fan of her method, right? So we did that this whole thing and it's all about, you know, her little catchphrase there is like does it spark joy? But it's yep, like yep, it's a lot deeper yeah. than just asking yourself, does this item spark joy or not? Because a lot of times there's things you feel bad about throwing away. Let's say you got something as a gift. Somebody gave you a gift yeah. and you're just like, I can't throw it away. Like somebody gave this to me. Like they're going to know that I threw it away or they're going to come to my house and they're going to see that I don't have it anymore because I tossed it because I didn't want it. And it just feels so wasteful and it feels rude, right? To like yeah. toss yeah. away a gift that somebody just gave you. The guilt. If If holding on to the gift causes you more anguish because you just keep seeing it and you're just like oh this fucking thing again you know like i hate this thing like <laughs> it's taking up space it's just it's a nuisance i don't even like it like it's just now i'm obligated to keep it and like and that's just running in your head every time you see it it's just not it's not worth it she said the gift ends at like the person gave you something and that was the gift their you receiving their generosity was the gift and the physical item has nothing to do with it. So they gave you a gift. You received it. You accepted it. You thanked them for their generosity. And then you let it go. You <laughs> put that thing in the trash and <laughs> you don't look back. Okay. You just move on and you don't worry about it. anything else. <laughs> so there's a, a lot of that type of like psychology and stuff in her book. And it was just, it was really good. So and it's been out for quite a while now, but I only got into it a few years ago. And it was, we do it, you have to keep up with it. It's not like a one and done thing. You, It's like a, it's hot. It's like a lifestyle constant. change of like how you live your life yeah. and constant decluttering mindset. And so we, we go through like big purges like a few times a year, but in the day in and day out, we try to keep up with it by her methods. So helps it helps to relieve anxiety when your space is decluttered I, just to kind of sum this up i'm just i love that and i'm just laughing because i don't know if you watched if you ever watched gilmore girls when her mother-in-law comes and visits <laughs> she has to get all the gifts from the basement and <laughs> spread it out through the house because they're like oh shit like my mother-in-law is coming so it's like there's a whole episode about it. And it's pretty funny. And that's what I'm just thinking about. It's like you don't like the gift. So she just she just hit all the gift in the basement. But like her mom, her mother was coming to visit. So now she has to get all the gifts. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. But like, think of the mental burden of that. Right. Like yeah. Now she's oh, around yeah, scrambling she calls... and she's got anxiety that she's got to go dig up all and these gifts. Like, like the... just throw them away. And that's the episode. She had to call her daughter Lorelai and was like, hey, you know, the freaking coat hanger that I gave you, I need it back. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so it's like a funny episode, but it's true. Like, I, And I remember you doing that or mentioning that you were going to read or I think you just said read because I don't, I don't know if you had watched it or not yet. And then you had said it was like such a life changer for you. Like you like really enjoyed her like technique about it oh i totally i absolutely enjoyed it all right so let me get into mine mine is a three 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 rule i think i said that three times <laughs> i don't know if i threw in an extra three and it is so my friend told me about this one time when i was kind of anxious on a trip that we were together and she was having me like do this and i've kind of kept kept up with it and it's named Three things you see, three things you hear, and then three things you kind of touch, meaning like touching something on your body. And I, it's, I guess it's supposed to help you feel grounded back into the present moment. And I feel like it does work because I was having this freak out on this trip one time. It was just like not enough sleep. 
it was actually in Iceland with the whole like we were driving and it felt like it was hours and we were like going through a tunnel and I was exhausted and I just felt like I couldn't breathe. And that's what she was doing. She kept telling me, name, name three things you see, you hear, blah, blah, blah. And I snapped out of it. So this is interesting because I had never actually heard of this. Like you told me right before we came on to hit record, yeah. you said my mental health thing is going to be three, three, three roll. And I'm like, what is that? I was really interested. And so now hearing you say it, is this just like, adult i spy with my little eye like <laughs> sort of <laughs> sort of i spy with my little eye so you know i always like to just like play devil's advocate and just yeah I and just like ask questions <laughs> and poke around so what if you're having anxiety and presumably you're having anxiety because of like the s- circumstances or the experience that you're having so right. so when you're saying like what's three things i see is it just like i see a tunnel and it's freaking (laughs) me out like is it going to propel you further into anxiety potentially because you're now you're just talking about the things that you're seeing that are causing you to be anxious or are you purposefully supposed to pick like neutral things or something maybe you are supposed to pick neutral things but i think I don't think I did say the tunnel. I think I had said like stuff like stuff that was in the car. So maybe that's right. But that's like a good point. I don't know. <laughs> I Let see us- darkness. <laughs> I see a tunnel. I see strangers. Let us, like- <laughs> Let us know if uh, the 333 rule works that way too. And that gives you the opposite effects. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like if you're, if you're picking the things that you're seeing. That's giving you the anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Does it work? Yeah. So I propose the negative three, negative three, negative three rule. (laughs) I don't know what that would even mean. I love it. (laughs) You don't say three things. You say three things you don't see. Yeah. Yeah. That could work too. Name three things you don't see and then you just envision yourself somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Oh, oh boy. That truly wraps us up. So it's about that time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast, please just give us a review on whatever platform you're using to listen to us. You can also visit our website. It's folkandfad.com. We have transcripts available there of every episode. And you can also send us an email, mail at folkandfad.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter, same handle there, Folk and Fab. And for Instagram, you can follow us at underscore it's called culture.